My name is Kayla Fondrecht, and I've been attending Oakwood for around 10 years. I grew up in a Christian home. We attended church every Sunday, Wednesday, all the VBSs, so I grew up knowing all the Bible stories and about Jesus. And I went to a church camp whenever I was around fourth grade. It was at Tabor College, and that's where I accepted Christ. One of the last nights of the church camp, the speaker asked if anyone wanted to accept Christ to stand up, and I stood up. I remember the feeling of how exciting it was. After that session, we went back to the dorm rooms, and my counselor was a Reagan, and I got to go into her room and we talked about what the decision meant. My mom was actually a counselor of a different group, and so she came in, and I remember her giving me the biggest hug and just celebrating. Um, shortly after that, my parents divorced, and my mom quit attending church, and she's who I primarily lived with. So through that, I took my faith as my own. I think earlier I took ownership of it. And I decided what I believed was it was because what I believed and not because what my parents believed. Looking back, I can see how my faith protected me. Looking at my high school and college years, I didn't make a lot of bad decisions because I was trying to follow Christ. I can look back and see how my faith has blessed me. I went back and I was a counselor at that same church camp whenever I was in college, and that's when I met and fell in love with my husband. And so I'm very thankful that I found Christ as early as I did, and I can't imagine my life without him. So about four months ago, uh, my wife Casey and I stepped into the unknown. Uh, we embarked on what has proven to be an adventure. We became gardeners. <laughs> yeah, you smirk and you giggle because you know. You know what that means. You know what it's like. Now, I want to ask a question. How many of you in here currently have an, a working at-home garden with fruits and vegetables that actually, like, have grown. Okay, good. Awesome. Well done. Good job. How many of you in here have a dirt plot where you attempted a, an at-home working? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's an adventure, right? It is an adventure. It's not easy. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources, um, a lot of trial and error, a lot of patience, um, and a lot of faithfulness to what is the art of gardening. Um, now, I'll be completely honest. My wife is the gardener, okay? Um, I built her a couple above-ground planters, and I filled them with dirt. And then she's pretty much done the rest, and that's fine. Um, and she's been pretty successful. We've had, you know, it's, it's, it's been good. Um, we, we did lose some peppers and some carrots to these rabbits that I can't keep out of my yard. And I can't kill them because I've got two little girls who will disown me as their father if I attempt. Uh, but other than that, it's been, it's been great. Um, we've gotten tomatoes. We've gotten onions and tomatillos and zucchini. Um, a few weeks ago, we got back from middle school camp after not being home for a week. And my wife picked this zucchini that I took a picture of. <laughs> now, excuse my face. Um, 
But here's the deal. I have a big head, okay? I have a really big head. That is a big zucchini. That sucker was huge. And we got a couple of those, like, that were just massive. Um, but, but whether you garden or not, you understand how it works, right? You took science class in school growing up. Uh, you work the soil, right? You plant your seeds. You water them, and they're supposed to grow, right? Like, that's how it's supposed to work. And, and as they grow, in order for you to get out of it, what you want to get out of it, you have to remain active in the process, right? Like you have to be a part of it. You have to keep watch over these things. You have to keep the bugs away. You have to prune off the bad sections, the bad leaves, the bad branches. And then really the most basic principle that you could ever imagine, um, the, the branches have to stay connected to the plant for them to grow what they're supposed to grow, right? Like that's how that works. Uh, today we are in our final week of our series, Tell Me Your Story, where over the last eight weeks, we've been able to hear some pretty amazing testimonies from people right here in our own church. And hopefully you've been able to see your own story in theirs as you've been here and watched. Um, and hopefully you can recognize how God has worked in your life and how he can use your story to impact other people as well. Here's the thing. No two testimonies are the same, right? No two testimonies are the same. Everyone has a unique story to tell, and hopefully you've seen that over the course of, of this series. Uh, I'm so thankful for Kayla's story today that we got to hear just a second ago. Um, hers is a story of faithfulness. You heard it. You heard what she said. I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted Christ. I took ownership of my faith, and my faith protected me from making bad decisions. And we see that God used her, is using her, and there is fruit from her life. This is a story of faithfulness. It's not a story of perfection, okay? Don't hear that at all. It's not a story of never sinning or never messing up. It's just a story of faithfulness. She stayed connected to Jesus, and her life reflected that. It, her, her life reflects that. And that's the challenge for us as disciples of Jesus. If we claim to follow Jesus, then that's what we're supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to look like. We live in a world today where faithfulness in nearly every realm is pretty low on the priority list. Would you agree with me in that? As long as you have a good enough reason, which 99% of the time is very selfish, then you don't have to be faithful. You don't have to be loyal to anything or anyone. Whatever you have to do to just take care of yourself, right? Whatever you have to do just, just to get what you want or to get what you think you need, then that's what you do. And I think even for Christians, we do this. We tend to ditch faithfulness for what's easiest, for what's maybe most attractive, for what someone other than Jesus says is best for us. And that's not what we've been called to. That's not the kind of life we've been called to live, regardless of the circumstances, whether through good or through bad, regardless of where you are in your life, whether you're 12 or 92, it doesn't matter. We are called to be faithful, to stay connected to Jesus. And it's important, right? Like we know that. It's, it's important. It's so important in fact, 
It's one of the final things that Jesus says to his disciples before he goes to the cross. Um, I want us to look at John 15 today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 15. If you have uh, your phone, you can turn to the Oakwood app or you can go to the Bible app. Uh, But I want us to look at John 15. It's a section of scripture uh, that you will probably be familiar with, maybe, maybe not. Um, But it's one of the seven I am statements of Jesus. Seven times, specifically in the gospel of John, uh, Jesus describes to his people who he is so that they can understand his character, so that they can understand his identity, so that they can understand his power and what he does for us. Um, And this is the final one. Chapter 15, it's the final one. And it comes during the Last Supper when Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples on the night before he goes to the cross to be crucified. Um, Now, Jesus and and his disciples are in Jerusalem. They they came into Jerusalem. They've been there about a week. um, And Jesus has been performing miracles and he's been teaching and preaching. And we come to this night. And here's the deal. This night is packed full. Okay, I don't think we quite realize how much actually happened in that upper room the night before Jesus went to the cross. Um, But they're there. They're in this room together, Jesus and his disciples and and whoever else is with him. And Jesus washes their feet. You remember that? John 13. It happens here. Then after that, he tells them about how he's going to be betrayed by one of them that's sitting around the table. Tells them that he's going to die. Um, Peter, of course, in all of his confidence, is like, no, no way. No way that's going to happen. We won't let that happen. And, and Jesus goes, yeah, well, buddy, <laughs> hate to say it, but you're going to deny even knowing me three different times. So he tells him that. Um, then Jesus gives his sixth I am statement. So there's actually two that happened there in the upper room, but he's telling them, hey, I'm about to leave and I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you and you guys are going to come and join me. And Thomas speaks up and he's like, how do we, if we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And then he tells them about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's going to be coming down, and he's going to be their helper once he's gone, and that that's, that's a good thing. In fact, that's the best thing. And then we get to what is our chapter 15 in our Bibles. A lot has happened so far in this upper room beyond just the first communion meal that we think about. Um, but let's pick up in verse 1. Jesus speaks. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, some of us are gardeners, right? But I think all of us understand this imagery. 
We, I, we probably get what Jesus is getting at here. And Jesus is a master at understanding where his audience is and what they can comprehend as he teaches and preaches. These people that he's talking to, they weren't necessarily the most educated, right? And they weren't going to understand every theological concept that he threw at them, but they knew gardening. They knew farming. It wasn't just a hobby for them. It was how they lived. It was how they survived. Jesus says, I am the vine. And they perked up. Ooh, hey, I know what those are. I understand that. I know how those work inside and out. I mean, this was an integral part of their culture. Vines were even printed on their coins. Herod the Great hung a, a huge gold vine around the entrance to the holy place in the temple. I mean, they knew how vines and branches worked. They get it. It was a part of their culture. And Jesus says, just like how a branch has to stay connected to the vine to live and to produce fruit, you have to stay connected to me to live and to produce fruit that my father wants you to produce. He uses a word in this section eight different times. If you caught on, maybe you heard it. It's the word remain. Or in some versions, your versions might say abide, the word abide. It's the Greek word meno, which means an ongoing relationship. Not to depart, not to leave, but to continue to be present. Not just one time, but to stay, to continue, to last, to endure. Remain in me, Jesus says. Don't leave. Don't disconnect. This isn't just a, a, a one-time thing that happens at your baptism and then you're good to go. You can run off and do your own thing. Stay. Continue. Endure. Stay connected. Be faithful. I'm the vine. You're the branch. The vine is where all the nutrients come from, right? The branch by itself is weak. The branch by itself is useless. It can't produce its own life. It has to draw life from the vine. And if you want to be who you were made to be, you must remain faithful and stay connected to Jesus. He gives you life. Now, we're going to break this down a little bit, okay? I want to get, I want to get practical here. It's the thing we talk about in students all the time. Like, what does this mean for me? you might ask yourself. Like, why should I care about this? Why should I care about what it means to stay faithful and remaining connected to Jesus? Well, the first thing is, is being faithful helps you grow as a Christian, and it helps you produce godly fruit. That's, that's kind of a big deal, right? In her story, uh, Kayla mentions that she took her faith as her own. She took it seriously, and that helped her grow. It helped her mature. She was connected to Jesus. She stayed connected to Jesus, and that helped her faith through high school, through college, and on into adulthood. Part of the fruit that we experience when we stay connected to Jesus is, a pers is personal fruit, personal things that we get to, get to experience, and that's ultimately the fruits of the Spirit. You remember those? Sunday school, VBS, right? Fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, right? Those things 
um, or, or, or who we become as Jesus followers. When we stay connected to him, that's what happens within us. Those things are produced in our life. We experience those personally. We experience those in our lives if we have the spirit in us and if we remain attached to the vine, attached to Jesus. You will be a loving fill in the blank, a joyful husband, wife, son, daughter, coworker, boss, friend. You will be a peaceful person, a patient person. You'll be kind and good, faithful, gentle, have self-control, and that's the type of person that we all like to be around, right? We will become that person when we stay connected to Jesus. So there's personal fruit that happens, but there's also fruit that others experience. They'll experience those things in us as well, but there's fruit that others experience. One of the things I loved about Kayla's story is that she went back to the camp where she accepted Jesus, and she served there. The spiritual growth that she experienced produced fruit, the fruit of her going back and helping others experience the same thing. Jesus said, if you remain in me, you will bear fruit. That's the outcome. Like, that's the result of faithfulness. When you stay connected, there will be fruit. We produce fruit through our lives, through our words and our actions. When we love and surrender to Jesus, we will actively and intentionally live lives that are holy, that are set apart and different. We will make a conscious choice to avoid sin. And we read how Jesus lived his life and we study how he talked to people and how he treated people and what he valued and how he spent intentional time with his father in heaven and how he stood up for people who needed help, and he stood against those who took advantage of others. We read all of those things, and then we try to live our lives in the same way. That's the outcome. That's the result of faithfulness. First John 2, 5 and 6, one of my favorite verses, it says, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. But this is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Be like Jesus to people, right? We say this all the time. Be like Jesus to people. That's the goal, and that's the outcome, the result of faithfulness. We will be eager and willing to accomplish great things in the name of Jesus, but I think equally as important, we will want to see others accomplish great things in the name of Jesus. One of the things that we have to remember is that branches don't eat their own fruit, do they? It's not for them. Others eat that fruit. You're not producing fruit to benefit yourself. You're producing fruit to serve others. So just like Kayla, part of that fruit that we produce in our lives is, to, is uh, when we stay attached to Jesus, we'll be helping other people and celebrating others as they grow in their relationship with Jesus. We will walk alongside them. We will encourage them and we will rejoice when they rejoice and we'll weep when they weep and we'll do life together with them. That's our fruit. That's what's produced from our life when we stay connected to Jesus. And according to verse eight, Jesus says, this is all for my father's glory. Okay, that you bear much fruit. You, this is how you show yourselves to be my disciples. 
You bear fruit. And again, it's for his glory. Being fruitful is really the only Christian growth. If you think about it, it's the only way that we can see who's staying connected. I think so often growth is attributed to just knowledge like I need to be in more Bible studies and, and I, need to, I need to have more better theology and doctrine and, and things like that. And those things are good, but it's not only about knowledge. If there's no life change, whether that's personal evidence through the fruit of the Spirit that comes out of your life or relational evidence through the people that you serve coming to know Jesus, if there's no life change, have you really grown? The fruit of your life will show whether or not you're staying faithful to Jesus. Now, we have to also understand, beyond just producing fruit as being a part of this, we have to understand that that this all comes with a bit of a warning. Okay, we've talked about the nice stuff. Now we're going to go to this side. Verse 2, Jesus said, hey, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's morning number one. I mean, he's going to lop you off if there's nothing happening there, right? But while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Being faithful is painful, but that's a good thing. Being faithful is painful, but that is a good thing. The pruning process is necessary for a healthy plant, for, for a healthy branch, The gardener comes along and he takes away anything that might keep that branch from producing what it's supposed to produce. And the same thing works in our faith. It is is vitally important for our walk with God. We go through difficult circumstances, right? Like that happens in our life. We go through those things and God uses those things to help prune us, to help us grow. Kayla mentioned her parents' divorce when she was young. She mentioned how her mom whom she primarily lived with, stopped going to church. And these, I mean, that's, these are difficult situations that, that could have pulled her away from her faith, but instead it pushed her toward her faith in, in, in Jesus, and it helped her grow. She made the conscious choice to stay connected in the midst of those things. We go through difficult circumstances. It just happens. That's a part of life. It's not an accident. It's all part of it. We go through those things and ultimately, God can use those for good, and he could use those to help us grow, to help us to become the people that we were supposed to be, as long as we stay connected to him. Sometimes we like to just carry around our dead branches, right? That, that might look really good on the outside, but they're not producing any fruit, and they're actually keeping us from being who God has made us to be and accomplishing what he wants for us. We carry those things around. Maybe it's Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's an old wound from from the past that we can't let go of. Maybe it's a negative attitude that we have that keeps us from enjoying life to the fullest and keeps others from enjoying your life. Um, Maybe it's just anything that that you look to security and the sense of security um, for other than than God. Again, it could be something bad that needs to be cut off. That's, That's part of the pruning process. Something bad, God cuts it off to make us better. But what's wild, what's crazy, and sometimes kind of frustrating, is that sometimes what God cuts off isn't even bad. Sometimes the gardener comes along and he sees a a bunch of 
of grapes, and he cuts those off so that the rest of the harvest will be more plentiful. It'll be healthier and better and higher quality. So God might cut off what's good, maybe even what's better, so what's left is the best. I think it would be really, really nice if we could just see what God sees when it comes to this, right? To be able to step back and go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, let's get rid of that. No, I see that. Let's get rid of this. Like, that would be great. That's awesome. I'm, I'm tracking with you here, God. But we can't always see that. Or sometimes we just, maybe he's trying to reveal it to us and we just refuse to see that. Because it can be scary, right? To just allow God to cut off whatever he needs to cut off. I mean, that's a scary prayer right there. I don't know if you've ever woken up in the morning and said, God, cut off whatever needs to get cut off today. Whatever it is, whatever is in my life, whatever I have, whether it's relationships or, or, or you know, whatever, uh, some sort of a habit that I have, anything like that, cut it off so that I can be who you made me to be. That's a scary prayer. Because I think a lot of times we're too afraid to give up what we know, even if it's not good for us. We're afraid to give up what we know. We're afraid to give up what's familiar uh, for, for something that's new, something that we can't see, something that maybe we don't fully understand. But the truth is, you can either be miserable dragging around your dead branches or the things that are not as good, or you can decide to go through the pain of letting God prune those things away. Yes, it hurts, but it helps. You might not enjoy it, but you need it. Um, I read a line this week that was super encouraging to me, and it said this, it says, your heavenly father is never nearer to you than when he's pruning you. Think about that. Again, that brought encouragement and some comfort to me this week, and I hope it does to you too. Your heavenly father is never nearer to you than when he is pruning you. Now, <clears throat> we've talked about why staying faithful is important, right? But what about the How? Like, how do we do this? How do I stay faithful? I mean, it sounds really good. Staying faithful sounds important, awesome, but I, have, I don't have any clue on what this looks like. What's this, what am I supposed to do? I'm gonna keep it really simple, okay? I wanna keep it really, really super simple because I do believe that it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. The first thing is this. Read your Bible. Read your Bible, okay? This is VBS, okay? Just think back when you were a kid, you were taught this. Your grandma probably told you this, right? Read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. But you need to be in the Word every single day. It's God's Word, okay? It's God's Word to us. It shows us who God is. It shows us the love that He has for us. Second Timothy tells us that the Bible is useful. Like, it's still useful today and every day. It makes us complete. It equips us to live the kind of life that God wants for us. And it reorients our thinking so that we can grow in our faith. We could do the things that we're supposed to do. So read your Bible. The second thing is spend quiet time with God. Pray. <gasps> right? Pray. Prayer is an act of worship. It is an act of obedience to God. We're called to pray. We're told to talk to him. It's an acknowledgement of who is actually in control of your life. It allows you to share all the aspects of your life with God, not just some. It allows you to show gratitude for what God has done in your life. It's the platform for repentance and asking God to forgive your sins. Prayer changes our focus. 
It brings us closer to God. It calms us. It brings about change because prayer is powerful. We know that. And ultimately, prayer makes us more like Jesus. And that's the goal. Now, along those same lines, I encourage you to participate in Christian meditation. Now, that's kind of a trigger word, meditation. People get kind of scared about that word. But Christian meditation is simply just being quiet and listening for the voice of God. Be quiet and listen for the voice of God. We need to spend time in solitude. We all desperately need quiet. Am I right? We all need more quiet. Turn your phone off. Turn the TV off. Get up earlier. Go to bed later, whatever you have to do, to just get some quality, quiet time with God. It is possible, okay? I know we like to make excuses for why it's not, like it's really hard, it's difficult, you don't understand my life and how crazy. No, I get it, but it is possible. Be quiet. We need that. You need that. So read your Bible, pray, have quiet time with God. The third one, go to church, which you guys have done well at today. Good job. You're here. That's great. But here's the deal. Church was God's idea. This was God's idea. This wasn't ours. Some random person didn't come up with this. This is God's idea. We are told to be involved in church. Hebrews 10 says, don't neglect meeting together. Like, don't neglect that. It will not be good for you. The church is where you're taught God's word. The church is where God wants you to use your spiritual gifts that he's given you. You use them outside of the church as well, but use them here. You connect with other believers here. The church is how we, we accomplish the great commission, which is what we've been called to as well. So be a part of community, okay? And not just on Sundays, but on Wednesdays. Those are going to start back up here in about a month. Uh, be a part of a small group. Eric's going to talk about that here in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about small groups and what those look like. But, but be a part of community. It's so important for your faith. Serve at church. Don't just be here, okay? Don't just be a consumer. Be a contributor. You will grow so much more in your faith if you are actively serving in the church rather than just attending, a promise. Here's the thing. If you, if you want to get serious about your faith and you want, and, and, and what spiritual growth looks like, there's lots of resources out there. I recommend a book called Celebration of Discipline by a guy named Richard Foster. He talks through different spiritual disciplines. It's, it's so good. But I'm telling you, it's simple, guys. Read your Bible, pray, and go to church. There's a reason we get taught that when we're kids. It's important. Those things matter. Here's the deal. Gardening isn't easy. Gardening isn't easy. But lucky for us, we worship the great gardener. And if we just stay connected to the vine, if we remain faithful to Jesus in your school, at your job, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, with your friends, in every area of your life, if we remain faithful to Jesus, then he promises to take care of us. He promises to give us everything that we need and to use us to make an impact in the world in his name. Remember, you have a story to tell. It could be a prodigal son story of returning to the Lord after a season of, of walking away. It could be 
a, a story of consistent faithfulness, or it could be something in between. But you have a story to tell. And Jesus wants you to tell it. So tell it. And how you live faithfully.